Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Back on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football, your home for Army, Navy, and Air Force. I am Price Atkinson, joined as always by Mike Lovell and Steve Carney, my two guys that held down the fort last week while I was gallivanting the streets of Chicago. What a weekend it was. The weather, guys, was beautiful. It was perfect. But more than anything, I got to thank you all both for, for doing just that, holding the fort down last week. I know I got roasted for that gut pick I had with uh, Army over Wake Forest. Sometimes, guys, you got to roll the dice, and that's all it was for me last week doing that. But I hope you all had a good weekend. We had some great games over the weekend, uh, some not so great, but more than anything, how is Mike Lovell and Steve Carney doing tonight, guys? Mike Lovell is doing pretty good. Great, great weekend in college football, and there's nothing that puts me in a better mood than a great weekend in college football. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an Army guy, so Army won. Uh, they look, they look good, and of course, you know, also a Tennessee guy. So, so it was a really good weekend for me with both both those teams winning. Steve, I, I went 0 for two personally. <laughs> uh, you know, with Navy losing to uh, to SMU, and uh, yeah. you know, we're going to get into um a uh, uh <laughs> quite a quite a character building <laughs> uh moment in the middle of that game that that we can talk about oh yeah uh, but uh, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but, uh, but also um i work for the university of south florida and we lost this week as well again uh to at uh for homecoming to tulane in a game that was close and then uh just a number of injuries that uh, that saw my uh, my beloved alma mater, the Bulls, uh, fall once again. Uh, they are now one in five, uh, one in six going into the their bye week, which is not a good sign. But other than that, uh, you know, I, I had a I had a wonderful week. Uh, but I want to I want to ask you. Uh, you talked a little bit about it. Yeah. You talked about okay. roaming the streets of Chicago. So uh, obviously, I mentioned this on last week's episode. Your lovely better half. Uh, took part in the Chicago Marathon. Uh, the Chicago Marathon. That's First it. First off, I want to know who in their right mind. We talked about this last week. Who in the yep. right mind schedules a marathon on Saturday during college football? All right. How does that work? I I listened to you guys last week, and number one, great job. Number two, the marathon was Sunday morning. Okay, so everybody was out. I mean, of course, it's an NFL town. Everybody's out in their jerseys. What I I probably saw more Bills jerseys than I did uh, Bear jerseys out in, or bill garb not, on not sunday a morning Chicago. not but a surprise I, right now but is 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 lady luck would have it saturday was off so of course we come in family becca's got a rest you know she's getting up real early so we kind of came in the kids you know hopped on their devices and you know i got to fire up my ipad my phone go a little dual action with you know some college football on both and you know kind of ride off into the sunset a little bit early but uh yeah it was a sunday morning race Ooh. which was perfect for uh for college football viewing. Now, granted, we we were out a good bit of the day, but honestly, most of the teams that I wanted to see were playing, you know, at, you know, 7.30 in primetime. So we got back to the hotel, and it, it was a beautiful experience because the, the sports bar in the lobby of the Hyatt there on Wacker in Chicago is just fantastic. Nice. P- P- Price, my question is, why didn't you run with her? You, you left her by herself on that 
26.2 mile course. You know, Michael, um, five marathons for her. I've, you know, a couple halves are in these knees right here, approaching 50. The, um, you know, it's just not my idea of a good time. Let's just put it that way. You know, I don't like dry. I don't like walking 26 miles. I really don't like driving 26 if I don't have to. Running 26.2, forget that. But she did great. She wasn't happy with the time, but I was proud of her. Fifth marathon in the books, first Chicago marathon. She was discouraged, so she said she wasn't going to do another one. But then she woke up. The sun came up on Monday morning and said, "You know what? I think I'll, I think I'll give it another go." So, well, congratulations to her. That's impressive. Absolutely, yeah. congratulations to her. But uh, for you, for you, uh, did you get any Italian beef? Did you get a soup? Uh, did you get a, a hot dog? In? I mean, I, I, I'm a food guy, so I certainly want to know what your culinary. Uh, journey was you had tell, to tell, have, me, tell me you hit up Portillo's. You had to hit up Portillo's if you're in Chicago, right? I didn't hit up Portillo's. Had a Chicago dog. She had a Chicago dog, but had a uh, had a Giordano's. My, I mean, everybody's got their deep dish. Everybody, whether it's Lou Malnati's, I mean, there's all. I mean, everybody's got their deep dish place. I like Giordano's, so of course that wasn't the pregame, you know, pre-marathon meal. That was safe for Sunday night. Yeah. The last thing you're going to go do, even even after you're eating a slice of deep dishes, go run twenty six point two. So we had that saved for Sunday night after she was done. I think half the marathon, 40,000 runners, had the same idea because when I went in there to pick it up, the wait, I think, was two hours. It was two hours to get it. It was an hour and a half when I called it in. So I think everybody in Chicago that was there that was fleet of foot that morning uh, was doing the same thing, guys. So it was delicious. It was delicious. So you got, I mean, your, deep, you got your deep dish. You got your, you got your dog. You did no Italian beef? Didn't do any Italian beef. Um, went to a good place called Sweetwater that had a, a really good Philly cheesesteak. That was good. Now it's, I mean, I don't like supporting anything that's Philadelphia, but I did with the uh, the fantastic sandwich that came out. So that was really good. Um, but yeah. So getting it back to Academy football, why are we not playing Army Navy in Chicago? Why, why is it rotating in the Northeast? I mean, I mean, what? I mean, can you imagine Army Navy at Soldier Field? Oh. I mean, how, how cool would that be? Oh, I'd yeah, I'd kill for Soldier Field to host that Ar game. That would Ar be. How about how about Army Navy at Jerry's World? How about Army Navy in uh, uh, out in like San Diego or up in Seattle? I I, I would I, love I, to. See. I get it's cost prohibitive to get the Corps and the Brigade out west. Yeah. But I, I really think I really think it would benefit the game. Uh, you know, to to do Philadelphia maybe every other year, and then maybe once out of those. You know, four four year cycle. Every other year in Philadelphia, of the other two years, one of those years always in the Northeast, Boston, D.C., New York, and that one out of every four years rotated uh, to, to big military towns: San Diego, maybe Pasadena, uh, Dallas, uh, Jerry's World, Tampa. I mean, you know, obviously because I, I got interest in that would be awesome. down here. But you know, but once out of every four years, go to a West Coast or a or a, a you know, deep South, not a deep South, but a, a more Southern place, just to get it out of the Northeast. I, I think that would be hugely beneficial to the game. I will tell you the one place that my dream for an Army an Army Navy game is. I mean, there are a lot of cool places, and you reeled off a lot of them. The one place that if I could have the game one year, it would be at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. I know yeah, there's done not that before. Well, I haven't been to it. I have never. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's, well, it's been years. It's it, since you know when I was a little tight. I mean, a little guy. I mean, I, sure. I would love to go see one in the Rose Bowl, but it. I don't. I have to go back and look up the last one. It was. What was it like in the? Was it late seventies? Was it early eighties? It's a I think long it was time ago. 
I think it, it was 82. That sounds like it could be right, but I mean, that was before, I mean, I was seven then to date myself. So I would love, I would just, especially in the here and now with the way, you know, the Rose Bowl, I mean, it is the most gorgeous. God, that place is just spectacular, but yeah. But, but that, could you, could you see it like Chicago, Dallas, oh, 100%. San, Diego, San Diego, Seattle, uh, I, I, Tampa, I would say, uh, you know, Mike and I have are ha, biased because we live here. Sure. But, but, Let's face it, Tampa is more of an Air Force town. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, but uh, I would I would think that if uh, even if you go to like say Charlotte, uh, you know you you've got like you know like the Camp Lejeunes and 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 some of these places, you know, so you could you could say okay, we're gonna go to uh we're gonna go to Charlotte or we're going to go to uh I I would I Chicago Chicago makes a lot of sense because. That's where Navy boot camp is. And, yep. and I would think that that would be really cool to have to not only bring the 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 Corps of Cadets, but uh, also um, to to have you could have all of the all the recruits and stuff like that go going. to that. Yeah, I don't know that you necessarily have to align it to military installations. Remember, both of these schools, by the very nature of, of how they populate their student bodies or national brands. So I don't know that you necessarily have to align it to military installations. 1983 price, the one and only time it's been in the Rose Bowl. There you go. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be fun. I mean, San Diego. I mean, a lot of the military towns make sense. Like a, you know, San Diego. I think anywhere like a San Antonio, Dallas, you know, Houston, anywhere. I mean, there's so many places. If you're going to move it to the Midwest, though, like in like Chicago, uh, you know, New York is great. I mean, it's fine. Um, Philadelphia is fine. I think it's almost interchangeable to do it with like a Chicago because Chicago's just fantastic. Do it at Soldier Field, small, a little bit of a smaller venue. What is it? The the smallest NFL uh, stadium? If it's not the smallest, is one of the. It, it is the smallest NFL yeah. stadium. The problem is, is that uh, you know we're just a few years away from maybe the Bears moving out of Soldier Field, so which I think is a crime in itself. But that's I'm not going to go down that road because I was talking to somebody and got into long discussions about that when we were in Chicago. But um, yeah, I. But I will say this just real quick on the end of Army-Navy. Philadelphia, as much as I don't care for their pro sports teams, Philadelphia just does. And Larry Needle and the uh, Philadelphia Sports Bureau, they do – the whole city does such a bang-up job with that game. The Eagles, everybody that is associated in that town with the Army-Navy game – just knocks it out of the park. It is the greatest experience. So yeah, I'm yeah not for gonna, sure. And, and the rotation comments certainly not a knock on Philadelphia. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. About, it's just about the game and kind of getting it across America. If it's America's game, my contention is it should kind of move across America. But I, I, I fully wholeheartedly believe it should be in Philadelphia at, at a minimum every other year. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Mike. All right, let's get to the recaps, gents. Uh, Friday night, George W. Bush in attendance. The Navy midshipmen, they, well, a game effort that they fall 40 to 34. SMU 30, uh, 3 and 3, 1 and 1, the American now. Navy 2 and 4, 2 and 2 in the American Athletic Conference. Tanner Mordecai, it was the Tanner Mordecai show, the quarterback, starting quarterback for SMU. 
Friday night lights that he lit up himself, 336 yards passing, three touchdowns, all were more than 20 yards. He also ran for, what, a 60-yard touchdown uh, and running for 74 yards. But, I mean, guys, it looked like Navy was going to get run out of the building um, a couple times. Uh, they took their first lead, what, 14-13, to 13, taking the opening kickoff of the second half, 75 yards and 347. Ty Lavatai, 15-yard touchdown run. Uh, to put Navy what in front 14 to 13 before SMU reeled off 20 straight third quarter points. Mids never recover. I'm not sure if it was SMU ponies who, I, you know, they defecated on the field. I think that <laughs> soil. I think that soiled Navy's second half, but it didn't stop the game for several minutes. You know, while the quote mess was cleaned up. I don't know if that was the omen, but Navy did come back and take that lead ever so briefly. But, boy, 20 straight on answer from SMU. That was the difference in the third, guys. Yeah, it certainly was. And uh, I I look at what happened in that second, uh, the second half, as you mentioned, when when you go uh, and you and you give up 20 consecutive unanswered uh, to, to the Mustangs, you find yourself in, in bad shape. The thing for me about this game was I was kind of surprised at how much the, the middies ended up using the – you know, going to the air, you know, Ty Lavatai had 21 pass attempts. That's not yeah. Navy football. Uh, and we talked about that last week uh, on the show between Mike and I, you know, when Navy plays Navy football, they find themselves in, in a position to win last uh, on Friday. I thought that Navy did not play Navy football. They, they went, I, you know, 24 times total uh, th- uh, 21 from Lavatai. Uh, through the air that's not that's not midshipman football and you're gonna and that's why they ended up on the wrong side of the score Mike I I think it's interesting that Navy like like Steve saying Navy threw it uh, what 24 times in the game it still didn't hurt time of possession that bad I mean you had 510 yards but Navy still held the ball for almost 41 minutes even throwing it 24 times I think that's astounding it is astounding, you know, for a team like SMU to score 40 points and have the ball only 19 minutes of game time, you know, you, you just you just have to wonder about that Navy defense. It speaks more to the Navy defense. But but I agree with Steve, and you know, Army's done this this season as well, where they kind of they they kind of I, I don't want to say try to overthink the situation, but they they go to something that's not their identity. Mm-hmm. And when you're a flex bone offense, when you're a triple option offense. You you hang your hat on your identity, and when you get away from that, that's where you get into trouble. Uh, we saw that with Army at UTSA; they had some success with it. They kind of continued to go with it, and in the end, uh, that 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 did not get them the victory because they got away from their identity. And again, they went to the passing attack. They had two turnovers. That's really what killed them in this game. Yep. One of which was an interception. Then you have the fumble in the second half. This game really wasn't that close until the last two minutes. Yep. It was a 20 point game until I believe two 30 or something like that left in the fourth quarter. But I, I, I totally agree with Steve. They got away from their identity. Uh, the defense just could not stop Tanner Mordecai either on the ground or in the air. A really good performance. For, it was really a bounce back performance for SMU after having some internal locker room uh, frustrations over the last few weeks. So, uh, you know, Friday night, Navy traveling halfway across the country. They were in a tough spot. and They just couldn't uh, couldn't pull it out. I, I think I agree with Steve, partly because they got away from their identity. 
And, and Navy's defense has struggled against the pass all year. That's been nothing new, but they've been very good against the run, which they were again. But do you think some of the game dictated, you know, having to throw the ball a little bit more? Because, I mean, it you know, it was a shootout. You're trying to keep pace. Are, are you trying to do something a little bit different, especially when you get down? What was it? Um, uh, tw- you know, down, you know, 20 points, you know, in the third quarter after SMU reeled 20 off 20 straight, you're down 19. You know, does some of that necessitate having to go to a, something a little bit different? Yeah, it, I, I get what you're saying there, Price, but, uh, and, and I understand that when you are down a significant uh, margin and you look at it, uh, the, you know, the midshipmen were down after that, uh, after that 20 straight, uh, they're down 33, 14, uh, at that point. Um, you know, we went from being 14, 13 to 33, 14. You, you're thinking, okay, it, it's still a three score game at that point. And you are, uh, I, I think they were still in, were they still in the third quarter at that point? So, um, so I, I think that, you know, at that point it's, it's still, you know, what did I say? It was nine. It was nineteen at that point. So it's a it's a three score game. I I get where you may think that mm-hmm. okay now we got to start to to try and push the issue a little bit. The problem is is when you try try to push the issue with players that aren't skilled enough to push the issue. Yeah. This is not this is not a read option spread throw the ball down the field type of uh, of team. And so I, I think that when you get out of your lane, it becomes even more difficult uh, to, to try and come back. So uh, I, I think that, you know, you, you do it because that's what the play, that's, that's what the book of coaching tells you yeah. to do. But I, I think, I think at that point, it's not really worth it. I think, I think maybe she yeah. stuck to the, stuck to the ground. Yeah. They tried to lie. They tried to, you know, get Fofana going again. Um, you know, Mike, at his sophomore fullback had a great game with the week before, you know, 21 for 61 in this game, just averaging just under three yards of carry. But Lavatai with easily his best game of the year. I mean, shoot, he hadn't been over 37 yards, uh, I think, all season in a game. And what, he was at 120, excuse me, he did. He had a good game in that very first one, 100 and, um, oh, where is it? Uh, he had 30, excuse me, that was passing. He hadn't been over 37 yards rushing in a game this season. I want to make sure I got that right. 120 on 25 carries. I mean, think about this. The Navy quarterback who had struggled, and this is very uncharacteristic for a Navy quarterback, but Lavatai, I mean, the most he could do was 37 yards on 18 carries, and that was against Memphis. And this was easily, I mean, easily his best game, 25 for 120. This is the kind of performance that they need out of him, especially running the football, making the, the, those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're, I think if you're SMU, you look at two things. You go back and look at the Tulsa film. You look at how how effectively Fofana ran the ball. And you say, hey, and uh, teams do this against Army as well. They say, hey, we're not going to let the B back beat us. We're not going to let the middle run beat us. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna pull up our safeties. If they can throw the ball effectively, then you know what, they can throw the ball effectively. But we don't think they can do that. Navy wasn't able to do that tonight or, or on Friday night. And so they took away the middle and look, here's it, you make the quarterback beat you because if, if you, if there's anybody you want to take the majority of the carries and take the beating of getting tackled every play, it's the quarterback. So that's what, that's what smart teams that attack these flex offenses do. They try to take away the run. 
They play man coverage, either one or zero high, and they make the quarterback beat you either th- with his arm or on the ground, and they just try to hit the quarterback every play. And that's what that's what SMU did. It did. It worked for them. Uh, their offense was able to back up their defense. Uh, Navy, again, with two turnovers, that, that's really what killed mm-hmm. uh, the mids against SMU, particularly when you combine that with that uh, time of possession they had. All right, let's turn the page and go up to West Point. Army gets a 42-17 to win over Colgate. Army snapping a two-game losing streak as they don't com- they didn't complete a forward pass. They tried three, but they rushed for 467 in the game to knock off FCS Colgate. Now Colgate 1-5 and five on the season. Basically, Army was almost missing a who's who of, of standout starters. I mean, you tie here Tyler starting quarterback. He didn't play. Your leading rusher, Tyrell Robinson, he was out. Leading receiver, Isaiah Alston. All-American linebacker, Andre Carter. I mean, the list goes on and on. Jacoby Buchanan, Tyson Riley, your top two fullbacks. They dress. They didn't play. So you win easily. You win handily. Um, you get some other guys, some experience, especially senior quarterback Jamel Jones, who came in, didn't find out he was going to start until Friday because Cade Ballard had beat him out during the week. But Ballard, I guess, has a, had a finger injury couldn't go um, so they call on Jamel Jones to make his second career start first of the season and he responds guys in a big way 12 carries 112 yards to lead the way for the Black Knights in two touchdowns impacting the game right away on the very first play from uh, offensive play from scrimmage for the Black Knights 75 yard touchdown pass and it was all downhill from there that's what Army needed to start the game like that. You point out Army was actually missing their top five rushers for the season. That So their, their top five leading rushers on the season were not available for this game to play. So Jamil Jones coming in, stepping in, and like you said, kind of at the last minute, setting the tone in that very first play. Colgate's not a very good team. They're not even a very good FCS team. Yeah. But it was important. We talked about identity with Steve in the Navy game against SMU. It was important for Army to come in here, not get too fancy, not get away from their identity, just run the ball. If, if you if you watch both, if you watch all three of the Academy games, Navy did some stuff that was a little bit different. Air Force had some wrinkles in their mm-hmm. offense uh, this week. Army ran a basic offense and they just ran right over Colgate. That's what they needed to do. Uh, they were missing a couple guys on the offensive line too. So Army just got to work, put their head down, really stayed true to their identity. Jamel Jones coming in big, leading the team, very consistent. He did have the one fumble, but he made the right decisions on every other play, ran the ball when he had to, uh, and really carried the Black Knights to a much-needed win as they uh, get their second win of the season and then uh, looking forward to maybe potentially building off this win. Steve? Yeah, I, I look at, you know, games like this with uh, with an FCS team mm-hmm. as a, a chance for you to work on the things that, you know, make you a much better uh, team going forward. You know, and and I think that you're able to get, as, as Mike said, the guys that needed to get reps on the field. I mean, mm-hmm. we all know what to hear Tyler will do on the field. We all know what Andre Carter will do yeah. on the field, but this gives you a chance to look at some of these other guys that are going to be important, especially as we get later on in the schedule, mm-hmm. you know, when guys start getting banged up, guys wearing down, you want to be able to have that good rotation through. And now, and now you have an opportunity to say, okay, we saw what these guys did against uh, a Colgate or a Villanova. And now as as we move on in, in the season, as we get closer to Navy, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure that these are guys that are going to be counted on at some point, even even if they only get, say, 
half dozen snaps in a game. They, mm-hmm. they make those half dozen snaps count. What I liked was while the Army defense gave up, uh, you know, almost 350 yards in the game, I love that they pitched a second-half shutout. You know, after 28-17 to 17 at halftime, they didn't allow anything uh, in the second half en route to the 42-17 to 17 win. Army now 2-4 and four overall. Again, Colgate dropping, dro- dropping to 1-5. and five. All right, real quick before we get out the door here, Air Force 42-7 to seven over UNLV. Air Force now 5-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in the Mountain West. UNLV, uh, this game was sandwiched between a pair of key Mountain West Conference games for the Falcons, and they knocked off UNLV, who was previously undefeated at home, and they did so in convincing fashion. They basically called off the dogs in the third quarter. Brad Roberts just going nuts again, 29 carries, 144 yards, four short rushing touchdowns. As the Air Force offense rolled up 406 on the ground, 420 for the game. This thing was over at the half, gents. This game was over in the first quarter. John Lee Elridge <laughs> with a big 60 yard touchdown run, I believe, on the first drive. Navy throwing a little wrinkle in there with a trap option. It was beautiful. If you're if you're just a football nerd like me and you, and you <laughs> like watching the offensive line as much as you like watching the running backs, it was just a beautiful play. Frame it, put it in the Louvre. It was fantastic. <laughs> Air Force looked really good this game. And again, going back to identity, only three passes in the game. Yep. They did what they got back to their identity. They did what they needed to do against a far inferior opponent, took care of business. Air Force back to looking like uh, the top service academy team that they were as we started the season. And and how about and how about the fact that in that second half, the, the Rebels had three possessions. <laughs> three possessions in a single half. They only had, as as I as I look at this, they 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 had twelve plays. They had twelve plays in three drives in the second half of that game. First first one, uh, first drive interception. Second drive was three and out, and then they uh, then they went out turnover on downs uh, on the final possession for the Rebels. So so credit. The, the Air Force offense for allowing the defense to be able to take a break. And, and that's what 26 first downs will do for you. 26 first downs is what Air Force had in the game. Time of possession, 43-16. Unbelievable. One other stat real quick before we pop out of here. Last two years, Air Force has completed just one pass against the Rebels. They didn't even attempt one last year in beating UNLV. This year, Hazik Daniels, what was he, one or two? That's one completion in the last eight quarters against UNLV. What you want. Go, with what, go with what works. Go with what works. All right, when we come back, we're going to hand out our game balls. We got, a few, we got a few to hand out this week. Stay tuned. That's coming up next here on Yards and Stripes. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, welcome back. It's time to give out our game balls this week. But before we do, I want to tell you about our friends at BetUS.com as they are part of our network this season the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, that is. And with the college football season fully underway now in mid-October, if you don't have a sports book with integrity and longevity, you better get one, and the one you need is BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and security? Guys, we want you to go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer 
we have on our shows from the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Let me explain. You put 100 bucks in, you get an additional 125 to play with. Put in 200 that gets you another 250 and so on. It's that easy. And BetUS has the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason. The NBA begins this week. NHL is underway. Almost any sport you can think of or wager on, BetUS has it. Regardless of the sport, we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS.com. Check them out at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS. You bet you win. You get paid. All right. Let's talk about our game balls this week. Gentlemen, Mr. Carney, fire away first, friend. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, a little offbeat here because there was a lot of offense that was scored uh, in every service academy game. You okay. think about it, uh, the lowest uh, total for a service academy team was, uh, this week was 34. And so you wouldn't expect me to go uh, on the defensive side, but I'm going to go on the defensive side and I'm going to bring back a name that we've already had once this year. And that is TD Blackman, the linebacker at Air Force. Uh, the Falcons had a fantastic day uh, on defense. And you think about it, they only had three, as I mentioned earlier, three uh, possessions that they had to be out there in the second half. So they didn't get a lot of work in the second half. Blackman did hit al almost all of his work in the first half. Uh, he had th only three tackles, but two were solo. Both were for loss and one was a sack. So uh, that's pretty good. Oh, and he also had a pass defense. So he not only was beyond the line of scrimmage, but he was also working on the defensive side of the line of scrimmage as well. So TD Blackman gets my game ball for his performance against UNLV. Michael? Yeah, like Steve said, a lot of great offensive performances this week. John, I thought John Lee Eldridge Air Force did a great job. Ty Lavatai, we've already talked about that, him, him having probably the best game of his, his season. But I'm going to go to my rock-bound Highland home. On the Hudson, I'm going to go with Jamel Jones. Uh, 12 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns, had the big opening carry, but it's really more about stepping in at the last minute, making good decisions, and managing the offense for Army to get a confident win over Colgate than the statistics. Coming in as the third-string quarterback and uh, under pressure with short time to prep and then putting those numbers and then managing that offense to a quality win against Colgate. So I'm going with Jamel Jones in a week full of great performances for army navy and air force all right well stop me if you've heard this before we're going back to the falcons and brad roberts yes he does it again friends 29 carries 144 in the just running rough shot over that rebel defense 42 to 7 as air force gets a win Brad Roberts leads them out west, ranks ninth in the country in rush yards per game at 121.9. The 144 he had on Saturday, his second highest total of the year behind that 174 in the second game of the year against Colorado. This is also now the third time this season that he has scored multiple touchdowns in a game. He had three against Colorado, three in Nevada against Nevada. Well, he upped the ante and went for four in this game. So, Brad Roberts, again, this week getting my game ball. I don't know if he – we could talk about it a little bit later. I don't know if Brad Roberts is the MVP of all service academy football, at least at this point, but he's trending in that direction, in my opinion. Hey, so so we uh, – I'm curious about that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there is a commander-in-chief trophy for the mm -hmm. team. I, I would love to see 
a Eisenhower Award or a uh, or a Bush Award or what, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, and have it be um, a uh, the, for the best, uh, you know, the most outstanding player uh, at the service academies. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think so. Maybe too, we call Michael. it the Price Atkinson. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Michael? They don't have that. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. I mean, yeah, you've got the CIC trophy, but I think they, you know, whether it's media, I don't know how, how you, you know, some of the foundations, but I think it'd be cool to have an MVP of the service academies, whether it be offense and one on defense, whether you just have one. I think it'd be a great award. Anybody know anybody at the Washington, D.C. Downtown Athletic Club? Got to have somebody sponsor the award. Yeah. But I agree with you, Steve. That that would be yeah. that would be good. I mean, you have you have awards for uh, like best player in the East. You know, it, I don't know that it would get on the ESPN yearly awards, but I think it's a great idea. Uh, I, I would I'm I'm biased. I'd call it the Pete Dawkins Award or <laughs> the Doc Blanchard Award, but we can call it something. A lot of great players come through the service academies over the years. Uh, yeah, Roger like Staubach Award or yeah. or, or the Pete Dawkins Award, but I like the idea. We just have to find a uh, the Roger Staubach Award. <laughs> we just have to find just have to find um, some club around the country to sponsor. Uh, we should yeah. look into that. We should look into that. Yeah, I think we could uh, come up with a lot of good ideas of places where we could start, but it would be awesome for it to to get launched and get going here sometime. And the best part is, is you, I think we all know groups that would be willing. Yeah, I mean, having an award is nice, but, you know, there's got to be money involved that, that goes into it. And I think we've all got ideas of where we could get that money, if you know and, what I mean. And, and not to call it not to call it easy, but, you know, when it comes to the academies, you know, there's not a lot of people that are going to say it's hard. People have a hard time saying no to the service academies and also the military, you mm -hmm. know. So, I mean, I know it happens. Don't get me wrong. But it just makes a lot of sense for all the obvious reasons. Absolutely. In our, I think in our collective opinion here. Um, as we told you a little bit earlier, College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, we are a part of a lot of great podcasts on our network this year. Check out the feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, you name it, what you want to hear, whether it's us at Service Academies, SEC, Pac-12, Florida Football Insiders, I mean, look, we got you covered on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Just go to the Apple Podcast feed, again, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your favorite podcast every single week, you can get us, Yards and Stripes. You can get the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. We got episodes coming out all day, every day throughout the college football season, folks. And don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter and on Facebook at Yards and Stripes. All right, when we come back, we got to give out, we got to do some previews. We got to give out some picks for this coming weekend as all three teams are back in action. Plus, we got our Travis Manning Foundation honor roll segment when we come back. That's next on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. All right, time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment where... If you've listened to the podcast, you know that we do this every single week where we honor and remember a fallen hero, one that has given the ultimate sacrifice. 
as part of the Travis Mannion Foundation that you can visit and find out a lot more information online at travismannion.org. And this week, we're going to honor a member, Terry Sue Fussner. She was a lieutenant in the United States Navy, gave the ultimate sacrifice on March the 12th, 2002, when the helicopter she was piloting crashed into the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Greece. And two other sailors, Lieutenant Wayne Francis Roberts and Second Class Jason Edward Lawson, were aboard and also killed. They were members of the Helicopter Squadron 46, which was based in Mayport, Florida. And Terry, who was just 27 years old on the day she died, one day before the day she would have turned 28. Terry was a native of Manchester, Missouri, just outside St. Louis, where she was a member of the Park South High School swim team, cheerleading team, and track team. And she graduated uh, as a member of the Honor Society. As a sophomore, she was on the all-conference district track team, and as a junior, she was all-state all swimmer. She left the swim team for cheerleading to spend more time with her best friend, and she ended up being in the state championship cheerleading squad in 1991 and 92. She also ran triathlons and marathons during her free time and was elected prom queen as a senior. She went on to the Naval Academy where she was a member of the swim team and also met her husband, Navy Lieutenant Garrett Lubker, a fellow 1996 classmate of hers. Quote, she was sort of the female top gun, end quote, said a Pac-3 tactical coordinator at Jacksonville Naval Station. She said of the late lieutenant, who was survived by her parents and her husband, Garrett. Lieutenant Fussner was honored through the Travis Manion Foundation Character Does Matter program that was presented during the Naval Academy Summer Seminar and their STEM program for rising 11th graders. And if you want to get involved this month, going on the Operation Legacy Service Projects through TMF, they bring veterans, families, and fallen heroes and TMF supporters together through local service projects around the country. And these, during Operation Legacy, these projects unite communities through a common cause with volunteers living the if-not-me-then-who ethos and leading a movement of character, leadership, and selfless service. You can find out more and find an op Operation Legacy service project in a community near you by going to travismanion.org. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Appreciate our friends at the Travis Mannion Foundation. Again, go online, check them out, travismannion.org. Now I want my friend, Mr. Lovell, to tell our outstanding listeners who invest every single week with us, tell them about our friends at Ticket Smarter Mike. Thanks, Bryce. And we talked earlier about all the great football games still ahead of us. And fans, we know that with the season in swing, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. We want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as their official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. 
Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just a one-time use. No, you can use your code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with the Ticket Smarter app or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter. Use Ticket Smarter. Thank you, Mike. Now we got uh, some news and notes just to kind of pass along before we set the table for this weekend's games and give out our picks. Steve? Yeah, uh, I wanted to mention this because while this person was not a graduate of a service academy, he was a very big supporter of service academy football earlier this week. Uh, actually, it was late last week. Uh, the uh, we learned of the death of retired Air Force General Jim McDivitt. And McDivitt was a uh, NASA astronaut. He took part in both the Gemini and the Apollo programs uh, and then went on to become the uh, program director of Apollo. So he was the one in charge of the moon landing. And, and while he did not wow. go to the Air Force Academy, he was a big supporter of Air Force football. And uh, he passed away last week at the age of 93. Mm. So, uh, and I've heard stories about how uh, he and, and a Navy guy in the uh, office who was uh, later the head of the astronaut corps, John Young, used to go back and forth about mm. Navy versus Air Force. And so uh, I just wanted to, to mention uh, a, uh, a melancholy uh, rest in peace and a, and a happy trails and uh, fair winds and following seas, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, about uh, General McDivitt, uh, just a wonderful guy, a, a guy that my family uh, knew a little bit. Uh, my wife uh, knew him uh, a little bit. And so it was uh, it's definitely a sad week uh, for us here uh, and personally. So I wanted to mention uh, Jim and uh, wish his family uh, a uh, condolences and uh, and all that. So that that's uh, I just wanted to get that out there. A guy who really did love Air Force football even though he did not go to the Air Force Academy. Yeah, well, certainly our, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, his family, you know, uh, in that loss and somebody, you know, obviously there in that in the local community. Uh, appreciate that, Steve. Uh, a couple other things to pass along, let you guys know. Uh, Air Force announces this week a home-and-home -home series with Sam Houston State for 2023-2025. Falcons will travel to NRG Stadium in Houston next year and then Sam Houston State will return that game uh, in September of 2025 at Falcon Stadium. That series is going to replace the New Mexico State Series on Air Force's schedule. Um, former linebacker for the Army Black Knights, Cole Christensen, he was activated yesterday for the Kansas City Chiefs game against Buffalo. He had one tackle in that game. So awesome to see Cole uh, getting some run and some action uh, in the National Football League in a fantastic game yesterday uh, between the Chiefs and the Bills. The Bills took home 24-20 to uh, back to Buffalo, getting ready for their off weekend. Um, also to pass along to you, not academy-related here, but something uh, military-related nonetheless. Can you guys guess who probably the oldest player in college football is this year? An interesting player popped up on the North Dakota State College of Science football team 
earlier no, this not year. The yeah. Not the guy I'm thinking of. I'm sorry. 49-year-old Ray Rochelle is a backup defensive lineman for the college, uh, according to the Associated Press. Rochelle served almost two decades in the Army and National Guard and decided to enroll in college while working night shifts at a sugar beet plant there locally. Business management interested him, and as he thought the degree would help him move up the ranks in the factory, when he learned that the school had a football team and that he was eligible, he jumped at the opportunity. And you know what, folks? As they say, the rest is history. The last football game that Ray Rochelle played in before joining the team at North Dakota uh, State College of Science, yep, it was 30 years ago, his high school team as a senior in Pennsylvania. So pretty cool. <laughs> 49 years old, backup defensive lineman. I'm only 47. And there's still hope. Well, no, there isn't because I've used all my eligibility. But I was going to say, I, I don't think I've got any eligibility left either. So, uh, and and I'm and I'm guaranteeing you that Mike doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool story there, nonetheless. All right, we got all every team in action. All three teams are playing this weekend. Let's start with Houston at Navy. That's going to be a noon kickoff, guys, at 12 noon. ESPNU Houston the last I've seen guys giving three and a half are the Cougars over under 52 and a half um, there's an update let me know but Houston three and three overall one and one in the American Navy two and four two and two in the American Athletic Houston leads the all-time series six to two and has won two in a row over the mids including a 28 to 20 thriller last year in Houston. Navy's one and two all time uh, against the Cougars in Annapolis with that only win coming during the 2016 season when the mid shock, then number six, Houston, 46 to 40. And yeah, I, you know, I heard, I know you guys were talking last week that, you know, you lose at SMU, the Navy's, you know, your season is teetering on the brink at that point, right, guys? I mean, because you're you're two and four now. You got to find four and two the rest of the way at least to get bowl eligible. You're going to be favored in one, maybe two of those games. Boy, it's an uphill climb, but if you're Navy and you're going to find some way to get bowl eligible, it's got to start at home against Houston on Saturday. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It does. And, you know, this is a Houston team that most of the pundits pick to win the American Athletic Conference, uh, but has certainly disappointed uh, this year. They're three and three uh, on the year. And you look at their wins. Uh, they won at uh, UTSA. So Texas San Antonio it took them three overtimes in order to do that. They beat Rice by a touchdown at home. And they won last week at Memphis 33-32 on a wild finish. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I look at uh, this Navy team. I, I, I don't think they've got a shot at winning this, this game, especially if they do what they did this past week against SMU and they get out of their lane. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, you know, offensively, they've got to stay in their lane. Defensively, they've got to get pressure on the quarterback because – that their big their big weakness is the secondary, and we've talked about it all year long. That if they can't get pressure uh, on the quarterback, their their secondary is going to get torched, and it's gotten torched quite a bit uh, over the course of this year. Uh, I could see Houston trying to run up this score, if, especially if they can't get pressure on, uh, through the offensive line. 
And Mike, Houston is just the kind of team, almost a lot like SMU. You know, Clayton Toon's a senior. He's been around for a while. He's, you know, completed uh, 141 out of 218 pass. He's thrown for 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, only four picks this year. Um, you know, they're a lot like SMU where they can light up the scoreboard. Tank Dell's, you know, it's you know, as good as they come, 13th in the country in touchdown catches with six. Um, he's, he's 20th in receiving yards per game, 89. I, you know, Steve mentioned blowout. Smell. Tell me if you're smelling what I'm selling here. Five of Houston's six games this year have been decided by seven points or less. Four of Navy's six games have been decided by seven points or less. Might this be one that comes down to the end, a la like last year, 28 to 20 in Houston? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I saw this line earlier. I'm looking at I'm looking at Houston minus three. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a matchup nightmare for Navy. I th- so I think there's a couple. I think Navy's got a couple yeah. things in their corner. I think Houston's got a couple things in their corner. I think it's a matchup nightmare for Houston. You talked about Clayton Toon and uh, Tank Dale, a very explosive offense. But here's here's really what would scare me if I was a Navy fan. Mm-hmm. Toon has uh, eight different receivers with 10 or more receptions on the season he can spread the ball out that includes two running backs and a tight end and five different wide receivers it's not just the tune dell show so navy can't really afford to put a single high safety on top of man coverage for dale because if he does they're going to put up about 400 yards to another receiver so if i was navy that would scare me navy does get him at home Houston, not necessarily the best road team, a lot like Memphis. Once they get away from home, you know, they, they generally don't play as well. But here's the other thing. Uh, Houston is a typical Dana Holgerson schizophrenic team. They're going to come out one week and they're going to throw the ball around the yard and they're going to put up a lot of points. And then another week they're going to come out and they're going to sleepwalk through the first two quarters and they'll get behind 14 points and they'll have to turn it on at half maybe and score some points. Houston, the reason why the line is three is that Vegas doesn't trust Houston. They don't trust Dana Holgerson because they're just a schizophrenic football team. That, that's why the line is what it is just on paper and talent. Uh, you're you're not looking forward to this if you're Navy because it's a matchup nightmare. You yeah. just got to hope that it's a bad day for Holgerson, it's a bad day for Houston, and they kind of look past this and they kind of sleepwalk through the first two quarters. That's what you're hoping for if you're a Navy fan. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a Houston win. I don't think it'll be. I think they'll cover, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But it it's not a matchup that you want if you're Navy. The way Houston throws the ball around It's just like these teams that have given Navy fits all year long, Steve. Yeah, the the thing I see uh, on this is I think it could end up looking a lot better uh, for Navy than the game actually plays out. Like mm-hmm. this could be a this could be a fourteen or a seventeen point uh, deficit, and then Navy gets a, a late touchdown and makes it ten or makes it seven, and then it looks better. But but I I, I do think if you look talent wise, Houston is the is the more talented team. Mm-hmm. And I think should be. Uh, you know, the, the fact that it's three, uh, as Mike said, it's because Dana Holgerson has schizophrenia. And so it, they're, they're hot, cold. Yes. No. Uh, you know, I, I could go all Katy Perry on this uh, <laughs> and, and, and really and go crazy. But uh, I, I think that, you know, this game, I, I, I see it being like a, a seven, a 10 or a 17 point game. And then maybe gets a late score to, to make it closer than it actually. 
Conference. Interesting note, you know, usually academy teams are, are pretty heavy upperclassmen-led, especially senior, senior-led. Um, interesting note from uh, Scott Strassmeyer, Navy's SID, former boss of mine. Navy starts just four seniors on offense and defense, a mark that is tied with North, Te- North Texas for the fewest in the country. So, again, that game scheduled for ESPNU Saturday at 12 noon, Houston at Navy. Uh, also at 12 noon on the CBS Sports Network Saturday at 12 noon, UL Monroe, Louisiana Monroe, 2-5 and five this season at Army. The Black Knights 2-4. and four. They are giving seven points in this one. The last I've seen that was earlier today, over under in this one, 55 and a half. This is going to only be the second meeting all time between these two teams. Army won that lone meeting back in 2020 uh, when they won in the second game of the year, won handily at that as well. Uh, I, guys, both teams obviously clearly needing a win here. Um, you know, both Army's victories this year have come against FCS teams. Is this going to be their first FBS win? I think so on Saturday against the, the Warhawks visiting uh, from UL Monroe. I think it largely depends on Army's health. If Army is healthy, if they can if they can get one of their starting quarterbacks back, if they can get one of the – preferably both, but at least one of the, of the B-backs back, I think Army has a good shot at this. Uh, they do have a common opponent in, in Coastal Carolina. It was about the same, about the same result. Uh, Monroe hasn't looked really good. They, they had a real bad loss against a very bad Butch Jones coached Arkansas State team, and they were they were able to barely pull one out over uh, UL. Uh, so I, Army on paper and at home is the better team, but Army has a lot to consider with injury situations right now. Uh, if, if Army can get a couple guys back and if they can avoid the mistakes and if they can avoid pre-snap penalties, Army should be able to handle this game. But, again, it's, it's really a lot about how healthy Army can get in the next five days. Munkin's, interview, Munkin's uh, uh, updates this week on, on injury will, will really kind of give us a better picture uh, on Thursday, Friday. If, if I were putting money on this, I, I'd wait until probably Saturday morning <laughs> to see to see who's on the field going, doing warm-ups before I, before I looked at the spread on this one. Steve, another reason you got to like Army, too, this weekend is Terry Bowden's team winless on the road this year, and they've lost three straight, including a 41-34 loss at South Alabama last weekend. Yeah, as we we used to call them here in Tampa when I was on Sports Talk Radio, they are lame-o when it comes to to being on on the road this year. And it's amazing that a Terry Bowden coach team struggles on the road. Uh, And I say that tongue firmly planted in cheek because Terry Bowden teams always seem to to struggle (laughs) on the road. So it's not much of a surprise. Uh, I I do think that this is going to be Army's uh, first FBS victory of the year. It comes probably five or six weeks uh, later than most of us thought was going to happen. But uh, I I do think that they end up getting the win here. And and hopefully uh, if the, if the, um, even if they, even the, Injury issues are are not uh, where you would expect them to be for this game. You they they're getting healthier if they don't play this week against the Warhawks and can kind of hold off for the upcoming schedule for Army. 
All right. Again, 12 noon, CBS Sports Network, Army hosting Louisiana Monroe there at Mikey. All right. Final game of the weekend. Another one on the CBS Sports Network. Big time Mountain West showdown. Boise State, 4-2 and two overall, but they have gotten hot lately. 3-0 and oh in the Mountain West. Coming to Falcon Stadium to take on Air Force 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the Mountain West. Again, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff, 5 p.m. Mountain Time locally there in the Springs. CBS Sports Network again going to have this one. Air Force giving three and a half at home over under 48 is the nation's top rushing attack. Going to be hosting Boise State coming in. And the all-time meeting, uh, Boise State leads the series six to four. Air Force two and two there at Falcon Stadium against Boise, but Boise State has won the last two at Falcon Stadium going back to 2016. Guys, this one I think is going to come down. I think this is going to be one of those high-scoring, come down to the end, Mountain West fair at Falcon Stadium late on Saturday night. Mike. Yeah, you just don't know with Boise State. You know, Boise State was was one of those teams that was really interesting. A lot of consistency through the Peter, uh, Peterson and mm-hmm. Harson days. And then since Harson left two seasons ago, Boise State just doesn't seem to be the same. They're, they're not the kings out there um, out west. So I'm interested to see this game. Air Force has had a couple of letdowns this season. This is a big game for Air Force to get the confidence mm-hmm. and to kind of stay, stay in that top tier out west. I'll be honest with you, Price. I haven't seen a lot of Boise State this year. Just looking at the numbers, I, I think Air Force looks like the better team. Uh, Vegas thinks they're even. You know, if the home teams, if the home team is minus three, uh, that, you know that means Vegas kind of sees them as even. So we'll see. That this is one uh, that I think I'm going to try to make an effort to watch because I really want to dive into this. I, I'm really interested to see how Navy's defense uh, defends the Boise State rushing attack. Boise State's offense is is pretty balanced, and they're more of a rushing team. So I, I think that's going to be the key. Can Air Force stop the Boise State running attack? I think if they can, Air Force will be able to put up some yards and numbers. Yeah, and Steven, since Hank Bachmeyer, who's you know announced he's going into the transfer portal, um, announced he's stepping away uh, from the program after that twenty-seven to ten loss to UTEP. Uh, the Boise State, the Broncos have won two in a row. Bachmeyer is going to be one of the probably the high one of the higher sought after transfer quarterbacks probably in the portal in the off season. But like Mike just said, they've you know you think Boise State and teams that are liking you know it's a team and a program that's typically aired it out over the years. They're doing it more on the ground this year. Yeah, they certainly are. And it's amazing to see that coming from a guy that I know pretty well uh, who is running Boise's offense now and Dirk Cutter, uh, the mm-hmm. former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head yeah. coach, is running the offense back at Boise again. And so I- I'm kind of surprised that they aren't pushing the football through the air a little more. But, you know, you got to work with the cards that you've got. And now that Bachmeyer is into the transfer portal, it- it's safer for the uh, for the Broncos to be able – to run the football. And so they've done a really good job of it. And obviously uh, cutter seems to have the, uh, the offense going in the right direction as evidence. They won the last two uh, games that they've played without Bachmeyer. I like, I think air force gets it done at home. This is a big one that they've got circled. I think that uh, I think they're going to come out and get it done guys. What do you think you like air force? You like Boise state. Why not? I'll go air force. (laughs) Yeah, I, I probably would go air force as well, even though, uh, Cutter was always good to me here in Tampa. So, uh, sorry, sorry, coach. 
<laughs> Air Force going to wear a bow sticker on their helmets this week in honor of former coach and administrator Jim Bowman. He passed away earlier this year. Bowman came to the academy in 1958 as a PE instructor and was later named junior varsity head coach and coached there for several years, including the freshman team uh, before he went back to the JV team. So Air Force going to honor the late administrator and coach Jim Bowman uh, this Saturday night in the game against Boise State. Again, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, CBS Sports Network, the Falcons hosting Boise State. All right, guys, that'll do it for Episode 8 here of Yards and Stripes. Don't forget, again, we're part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Just search uh, College Gridiron Coast to Coast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is. You get your podcast every single week or search Yards and Stripes. We will pop up there along with a host of other outstanding shows that our colleagues are putting together, including uh, Steve producing all these great outstanding shows at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcasting network all right enjoy the games this weekend have fun again all three of our teams are in action can't wait to see if they're going to light up the scoreboard like they did offensively last weekend but let's hope for a lot of wins and not the l's for steve carney mike love all gents enjoyed it again tonight we'll do it again next week join us again next time for yards and stripes service academy football To get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.